um, we've been doing a sermon series um, and we'll continue through the month of November called Project Hope. And uh, we're just, um, uh, just exploring what scripture talks about, about the reality of hope. Uh, one of the things that we've been locking in on, on hope is just for us as followers of Christ, as believers, that there is a reality when it comes to the word hope, that we have an understanding of what hope is based off of our experiences in our culture as hope is a form of emotion. And so hope is this emotion, it's this, it's, it's I hope that something can have, really what we're saying is I wish. And we can look at a circumstance and, and wish it to be different. And, and that very reality, that very uh, potential that we have as human beings to look at something, see it as one thing, and hope it to be something else, is a God-given gift that he's given us to be able to have faith in him and to attach that hope to him. But what we often do is we take that hope and we attach it to something else, whether it be finances or whether it be uh, our, 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 our identity in this world or our identity in a job or maybe it's our family or maybe it's our car or maybe, well, who knows what it is, right? Maybe it's your hair or your lack thereof, whatever it is. There's a sense of, you, you get the sense of hope, your ability to wish and hope for things to be different is based on what you have and the emotions that you feel. But what we're talking about, what Scripture has for us, and there's nothing wrong, I guess, per se with that, but if that's your only understanding of hope and that's where you rely and that is your only hope is your feelings, your emotions, and your possessions, then that, that, that's not living life to the full that has been promised in Christ. That when you look through Scripture, the Scripture talks about a hope that is a virtue. It's not an emotion, it's a virtue. Scripture talks about it in multiple different ways. And one of the Scriptures we've been referencing often is that there's, a, that, that it's talking about Abraham, how he had a reason to hope when there was no reason to hope. That he hoped even though there was no reason to hope. And it's that sense that we are able to hope, not in ourselves, not in what we feel, but the hope in the person Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Scripture tells us that Jesus is the anchor to our souls, and he's our reason for hope. Jesus is what keeps us, he's what sustains us, he's what gives us a reason to hope and to know hope. When all of our circumstances seem to be falling apart, and when all of our emotions would be all over the place, we can find a consistency, we can find peace and a joy and reason for hope in Jesus. So there's this virtue of hope. And as we go through and we look at hope, one of the things that we begin to see is is that hope is something that spurs a sense of generosity in people. Because it comes from a generous, loving God. That God poured and lavished his love out on Jesus, not sparingly, but he did it amazingly. And he did it full and he did it lavishly. Jesus liberally gave all of his love and an opportunity to be in relationship with him through Jesus. He didn't hold anything back. He gave everything through Christ. And so through that, there's a sense that when we connect to that and we understand that, that there's this response in us that when we understand hope and we understand the power of hope that is in Jesus, it causes us to be generous. It causes us to be liberal in everything that we have, that we give and we just give because we're not giving of ourselves. We're giving of something that is unlimited. We're giving of something that is, is full of life, that has full of potential and full of joy, that is truly sustaining and not limited. And so that's where we've been going and we've been talking about, we, we, we've been diving into, and if you are here today and this is your church, this is us wrapping up our conversation on giving, and so you can be like, yay, that's awesome, and if this is your first time here, you're like, yay, I did the worst thing, I came to church on the day they're talking about money, and yes, you did, but this, this conversation is so much bigger than money. 
This conversation really, money is just, an, just a piece. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an illustration of the real conversation that we're talking about. That, that money and our understanding of money and how we use money is a great reflection on our understanding of what God's given us in this life. And the potential of what we can experience in this life. And so as we go through and we talk about this, we've been talking about tithing and we've been talking about giving and, and, and the reasons and the reality for it. We talked about there's a portion um, to be given that, that if we live our lives as, as God's commanded us and we see all throughout scripture that God has given a true uh, a, a opportunity for us to know him, to test him, to experience him in a whole new way through this method of giving. That if we take what he has given us and realize that it's given He's given it to us and that we're giving a portion back to him and saying, God, we want you to do what you can with this. God, we want our money to be set in you. That You are the driving force of how we handle our finances. That God will do more with our 90% than we could with our 100%. That there's this portion that we want to give to God because we understand there's this consequence that if I say I'm a follower of Christ and I refuse to surrender my finances and surrender my resources to him, that there's this consequence to that. That it's not that God's going to sit there and smite me and just be like, you know, oh, you're going to get sick now. But it's the sense that I'm walking outside of his favor. I'm walking outside of his blessing. And so I'm trying to do things on my own effort instead of with God's blessing. That I'm trying to do things out of my own will, my own ability to sustain instead of God's provisions and God's faithfulness. I'm walking outside of his promises instead of walking in his promises that he's true and always fulfills. And so there's a sense, there's this consequence. And as we walk through, we talked about not just the portion, but the consequence. We also talked about a priority. That, that no matter where we are in our journey with God, that as we look through scripture, we see that Jesus didn't eradicate the necessity of giving. He didn't eradicate tithing. In fact, what Jesus did is he came on the scene and he elevated the conversation of giving. That, that honestly, that in, in, in wherever we are in our relationship with God, that when it comes to giving, it's not a conversation about what's the percentage. But it's a conversation of how much does God have my heart. Because see, you could be a new follower in Christ, or maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, but you've never given anything. You've never practiced this sense of portion. And so what we say as a church is to practice priority percentage giving. And so maybe for you, that's 2%. You start there and you say, hey, I'm going to set aside 2% of my income, and I'm just going to see what God does with that. I'm going to see how that works out in my life, and I want God to grow that idea of giving and generosity, and I want to grow in my faith and trust of him as I give. And so maybe for you it's 2% or maybe it's 8%. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time and you've been giving 10%, so maybe for you it's 12%. That, that we look through scripture and we look as Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians in, verse, in chapter 8 and 9, that there is no sense that there's a limit, or there's a cap on what we should be giving. That Paul instead, instead is talking about living this generous life and he's talking to, to the church in Corinth and he's talking about the church in Macedonia. And he's like, listen, this church in Macedonia, they don't even have pockets. They're like poorer than poor. And they're giving like crazy. And so you, who's got the deepest of pockets, you should follow their lead. And so there's a sense that it's not this percentage or it's not this cap, but it's a, what is your understanding of God? And what is your understanding of what he's given you and what he can do through that? And so he's challenging you on that. And so there's a sense of priority that I want to make sure that in my life that I'm putting a priority not on my finances, but I'm putting a priority on God's objectives for my life. And so I, how I give to that and how I associate and, and, and manage my funds towards that shows 
my willingness to trust God. It shows God's trust and favor on my life as I walk out my understanding of his will for my life. And so there's a priority that is there that we should be giving. We talked about it as a church, what it looks like for us as a church, that in that giving, that there's a sense that there's an accountability as well, that not only are we accountable individually, but we're also accountable as a church. And so we talked about as a church what that looks like for us and how we handle giving. We want to be an open church. And if you're a member of the church, then you're, you, you can talk to us if you have questions about finances. If you come to our business meeting, you can see that it's very open and there's very detailed expense reports of what we do. And it's not just a couple line items, but it's all of our line items. And you can look at that and ask questions. And, and find things out about that. Our, our finance life team, it's, it's, it's managed and it's led by people that are elected in the church. And so those people, our trustees and elders that are leading that finance team, they're giving direction and guidance to how the finances are spent, not the staff. So there's a sense of separation so that we can make sure that we're being accountable to you, but also accountable to God so that as a church collectively, we can do what God's called us to do and make a kingdom impact as he's called us and led us to. So, so that's a little bit where we've been and what we've been talking about. And, and I just wanted to, to take all of that and just wrap that up, just give you a little bit of understanding of what we've been talking about when it comes to hope as a virtue, that, that Jesus is our anchor. And this anchor, it's so rich and it's so, it's so full of life and so full of everything that we could ever want. And, and all of his provisions and all his promises are true. And we will all see those things come together. But it gives us a sense to have a hope for generosity. And so today we're just going to get into some things today. And we're just going to talk about uh, today. Um, this is going to pique your interest. But we're going to talk today about a good reason why you shouldn't give. And then we're going to talk about a couple practical things. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are. And God, I just pray over the next few minutes as we jump into your word, uh, God, that you will continue to guide us. Continue to open us to the conversation that you're wanting to have with us personally. God, that you want to be the Lord of our life. That you want to be on the throne of our hearts. You want to be Lord and Savior, God of all that is ours. And God, that as we do that, that there's not limitations in that, but there's freedom found in that. God, that, that that moment, that place when we surrender all to you is actually the place that you want us to be because that's when we begin to discover life. That's when we begin to understand purpose. God, that's when we begin to discover the destiny that you have for each and every one of us. And so God, I pray that today you open our eyes wide to that. God, our ears, God, make them sensitive to you. God, our hearts, may they long for you and your spirit. God, may you do something powerful and supernatural in this moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. So as, as, uh, as we jump into this, it was a fun story. Vanessa was talking about Halloween, and I was just even thinking about for us, we got to go out. This is actually the first time since Brayden was an infant that I was able to go trick-or-treating with our kids, and so we had a fun experience, and there's some awesome neighborhoods in Williamsburg, I'm telling you. We've got uh, just a plenty of candy. Um, it's, it's just amazing how much candy we got. I was chasing the kids around. I was like, you're not fast enough. You got to be way more efficient here. Come on, kids, all right? Because they're just sitting there, just like a lot, of, a lot of doors had the buckets, you know, where you could go and just pick, you know? 
And I loved it at one moment because there was like five minutes they were just sitting there just going through this one bucket, you know. And I was just like, come on, guys, there's other doors. You need to get more, right? Because don't take the whole bucket. Just take, you know. And Ryland, she comes back. We're on the street and she turns around. She goes, there's so many options. <laughs> it was so awesome. So she's going through and we're just going through trying to knock out as much as we can. And, you know, we drove to a couple different spots just, just you know, because we're not going to just go through one neighborhood and quit, right? We're just going to go until, like, the city says you can't do it anymore and the cops are like, go home. So that's what we were doing, you know, and because I didn't get to do this much as a kid. Um, uh, you know, in fact, we had a totally different uh, situation in our life when I was a kid. And if you want to hear that story, I'll tell it someday or you can listen to the podcast from last week at Nerpert News. But so, so this for me, I was excited, right? We were having tons of fun and, and uh, we, we literally, we've got these, we got three, um, those giant like one gallon or two gallon, whatever they are, Ziploc bags, just three, just crammed full. And then there's just more candy everywhere. I mean, we, and it's all like chocolate. I mean, it's Reese's peanut butter cups and Kit Kats. I mean, Snickers, Rolos, Butterfingers. Mm. And so like, there's all, I mean, it's good stuff, right? And I was just so excited. And so we were talking about, as a, you know, that night we got back, we're just taking pictures and looking at it and just sorting through and see what we got, which by the way, the kids got stuffed animals from one house. That was a little weird, but whatever. Um, so we we're just talking about, they were giving away deep fried Oreos and stuffed animals. Yeah, a little strange, but points to you for creativity, all right? Um, and so, um, yes, I ate the deep fried Oreo. Yes, I did. I, was, I, I couldn't resist. So we're going through and we're just looking at all that they acquired. And as we're, we're going through, Brayden's just like, Dad, look, here's a Butterfinger. Dad, here's a Butterfinger, you know. And Rylan's like, Mom, here's a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And they're just all like, oh, look, you know, and just being nice. And you can have all of these and all this different stuff, you know. And they're just being so awesome. We're like, that's so cool. You're so generous and all. Then they go to bed and we're sitting there and we're just like, you know what? If these kids wake up in the morning before we do because we're going to sleep in tomorrow, right? And kids just, they, they just, our kids don't sleep in anymore. And so we're just like, you know what? They can manage themselves for an hour. We're going to sleep a little bit longer than they do. But we're not going to leave them just with this a mass of candy, right, to themselves. And so we took the candy and we hit it, right? So I finally, I come downstairs and then Braden's just sitting there and he's like, Dad, what did you do with the candy? And it's like, we put it up. Where did you put it? I want to know where it is right now. And I was like... Oh, really? Awesome, because now you're not going to know where it is at all, you know? And he's just like, I need to know where it is. Like, I don't understand why you hit it. And I said, um, obviously, because of the way you're acting, right? <laughs> he's like, but you know me. I wouldn't have taken any candy unless I asked you first. I just want to know where it is. I just want to see that it was there. I wouldn't have taken any. And I was like, that's probably true, son. And I was like, but we didn't want to tempt you and give you this opportunity to eat 32 candy bars before we even made it down the stairs. But I wouldn't do that. You know, it's my candy. And I was just like, wow, that's awesome. Upstairs, right? <laughs> it was amazing. His attitude just totally switched because he wasn't in control of the situation anymore. Where the night before, he was just like, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours. But then, then the next day when it wasn't completely his and he was looking at it, all of a sudden he started to manage it a little bit differently. Good. And see, in our own lives, it happens the same way as that when we're following Christ. See, we can have this understanding and we can have this reality that when it comes to giving, that, that God wants us to walk out with this, this understanding and this reality that we're supposed to give. But oftentimes when we talk about giving and we look at giving, we look at it, the conversation, as it's about obligation and possession, 
But having a hope for generosity and understanding Jesus as the anchor of your soul, the conversation in giving is not about obligation and possession, but the conversation about generosity is about joy and sacrifice. See, we think about it as, as a sense of obligation. Okay, I have to give, and if I give, then. But see, that's not the conversation that God wants to have with us. God doesn't want you to sense this obligation. You're following rules because you have to. God wants you to say, man, I can step in this whole new understanding, this whole new way of life, that I can enter in something that's completely different than I've ever experienced before. And it's, as Scripture says, true life. It's this abundant life. And then if I step into that and I step into that place, that it's no longer about obligation, but it's about joy. See, and it's not about possession, it's not about what I have and what I can get, but now it's a sense, it's about something completely different. It's about this idea of sacrifice. What can I give instead of about what can I get? And see, for us, the conversation gets a little bit difficult and it becomes a little bit nasty for us as we talk about giving, especially in the church, because of our past experiences. See, our past experiences, we've given money and we've seen different things happen. Maybe it's in the church or maybe it's been at a charity, or maybe it's been, you know, a Girl Scout that sold you a half box of cookies, you know, or maybe the Starbucks that gave me a half a cup of coffee that was half cold and drunk this morning. But, um, you know, we have these bad experiences, these things that put a bad taste in your mouth that you, you give sometimes, and, and, and it just didn't quite turn out the way that you thought it should. And so it puts this bad taste in our mouth, and really the conversation isn't so much about what happened, but our conversation is about our motive, See, if we approach giving with a sense of obligation instead of this sense of joy, then what we are hoping to get from it is always going to be limited. See, the, the, the understanding of giving is this sense that God is inviting us into this life of joy. Now, why do we talk about, church, why do we talk about giving at the church? There's two reasons that we talk about it. One is that the scriptures talk a lot about money. In fact, scriptures talk about money more than it talks about any certain subject. Jesus himself talked a lot about money. So we would be poor leaders of a church if we didn't talk about what scripture talked about a lot. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Thank you, Celeste. So we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about what that looks like here in just a little bit. But also, too, that the truth of the reality is, is the church is sustained off of the generosity of the congregation. That if we believe collectively God's brought us together to do something for his purposes, if we believe that God's brought us here together to make an impact in this community, then we have to understand that what we do together matters and it changes the ability we have to do what God's destined us to do. And so there's these two things that are happening there, but our motives and why we give, it directs and changes what we do. So if you will, if you um, can, turn your scriptures to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to have it up on the screen for you. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. This isn't going to be on the screen, but I'm going to go ahead and read verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Listen, as we go through and read this and we talk about the conversation of giving, it's not about obligation, it's about joy. It's realizing that God has generously given us life through Jesus Christ. And our response is to generously give our life back to God. It's not just about our finances, it's about our talents, it's about our resources, it's about our time, it's about our energy, it's about our attitudes, about our perspectives. It's saying, God, you've given me true life, and this life that you've given me, I'm giving back to you so that you can do more with it than I could ever do on my own. See, it's a sense of walking through with this understanding that God has done so much for you. As we were just singing that song earlier, just talking about the rivers, that Jesus is a river that just that never dries up or whatever the lyrics are because I'm horrible at lyrics. I sing them wrong when they're even up on the screen. But anyways, so it's going through and just singing about this river. Like, it is, it, that's what it is. It's just a sense that, man, when you understand what Jesus has done for you and you understand who he is and the power that he has given you to live out the life that he's destined for you there's a sense of joy that comes from just knowing him and just just having him and just having him there it causes you to be generous my kids man just having the candy in front of them it not being constrained in any way it just being there my kids are like here 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 they're just generous that's the place that God wants us to be that we understand it's not mine it's his and I can do whatever I want and as long as I keep giving guess what the pile just still stays there right that's just the reality of that God wants us to live is that it's not about managing things it's about stepping into this life this life that God's given us an opportunity to live to the fullest. See, oftentimes what we do is we look at the way that we live out our lives. We look at it as, as existing instead of living. Man, we, we look at, man, when it comes to what we have and, and what we need and all those things, we're just like, if I could get this and if I had this and, and all those different things, and we look at, okay, they just got that, and you know what, we're doing a little bit better so we can get this, and you start looking at all this different stuff and you try to amass all of these different things that can make you feel better. What you're doing is you're inviting yourself just to live a limited life that's existing here today. And God is saying, I want you to not live a life that's just full today, but one that is full and lasting and forever. That's the life that God wants us to live into, and we choose existence instead of life oftentimes in this world. And so what I'm asking you to do, what I'm asking myself to do, is to reevaluate our understanding of who God is and what he's given us. He's given us the best and the greatest gift that we could ever ask for, and he did it lavishly. He did it uncontrollably. He said, here is Jesus, my son. He's going to live the life that you could not live, and he's going to die the death that you should die, and you're going to get the reward that he deserves. Man, that's what God did. He just poured it out, and he says, that's what you have. And we just look at it and say, okay, I'm going to take a piece of that, and I'm going to say, yep, I understand that he's forgiven my sins, but we're not going to invite him to be Lord of everything in our lives. See, when we understand God and we understand what he's given us through Jesus, there should be this sense of joy that we just lose control of our understanding of what this world demands of us. And we look and we say, here's what God's offering to me. And when we step into that, we find this joy and this peace is to say, God, I want to live the life that you have for me. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 
See, listen, as you read Hebrews chapter 10 and you read this Ephesians chapter 5, oftentimes what happens is, is we get to this understanding that we feel like God's sitting up there wanting us to do something or he's like sitting there just like, okay, are you, you going to accomplish this? Are you going to make the right choice? And that's not what God's doing. God's not dissonancing himself and saying, I just want to see if they can figure this out. See, God's got a totally different mindset. He doesn't want to keep his distance from you and all that is a part of your life. He wants to be all up in your business and leading you to a true and abundant life. Listen, as you go through and you read the scriptures, you can see that Jesus wants to be close to you. He wants to be involved in your life. Why would we step away and say, okay, God, I'm going to allow you to forgive me of my sins, but I'm not going to ask you and I'm not going to give you opportunity to redeem and find purpose and destiny in every other area of my life. Now, I'm going to hold on to my talents because I might be able to use those for my benefit at some point. God, I'm going to hold on to my finances a little bit tighter and I'm going to manage those because I, I want to figure some things out. Man, why don't we step into a place and say, God, you've given me these talents. I want to give them to you and see where God takes you in those talents. Why not say, hey, God, you know what? Here's my finances. I want to step into whatever you have and allow God to lead you and guide you and be a part of every area of your life instead of isolating it and taking it into yourself. See, the motive of our giving should be the joy of sacrifice. Earlier I talked about when we talk about giving, we think it's obligation and possession, but really it's about joy and sacrifice. Now as I talk about the word sacrifice, I know you're sitting there, it's like, I think somewhere at the beginning of your sermon you said something about a reason not to give. When are you going to get to that, right? Because now you're talking about sacrifice and I don't like that word, right? You look up the definition of sacrifice, it's an animal or a person that has been murdered for the benefit of a deity. Yeah, that's what sacrifice is, right? No. Sacrifice is this. When we look through scripture, sacrifice has a totally different meaning. Let's continue reading in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's read verse 23 again. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep as a promise. That hope we affirm is what they just talked about here in verse 24, that Jesus is coming back, that Jesus has come and that he's coming back, that Jesus is our hope, that no matter what this world throws at us, that we have a reason to stand in peace, we have a reason to stand in confidence, that we have a reason to go to God and know that he wants to be a part of our life. That he wants to guide us and direct us into the fullness of the life that he's promised to us. Now listen, the word sacrifice, it comes from a verb, it comes from a verb meaning to make sacred. It comes from a verb to make sacred. See, what happens in our lives is oftentimes is, is when, when, when getting stuff is the fix to our problems, it's easy to forget about sacrifice as a profound practice for renewing relationships with God, self, and others. See, sacrifice is this, it's not the sense of like, what do I have to give up? What do I have to let go of? Sacrifice is the sense that it is an opportunity, as this talked about, to make something sacred. So if we look about giving and we talk about this idea of giving and this life of joy that we're talking about that can be found in God, we can see that through a regular practice of sacrifice, that we make room for the sacred to enter our lives and into the world. That when we say, I'm willing to give these things up, and I'm willing to give these things to God, and I want to put them in his hands and allow him to manage these things and use these things as he sees fit. That when we step into moments of generosity, that we take those moments out of our hands and we put them in God's hands. 
So when you're standing there at Chick-fil-A, yes, Jesus, right? You're standing there at Chick-fil-A and you decide to buy the person a chicken sandwich behind you because that's one of the greatest ways that you can bless anybody in the United States of America, right? Is by buying them a Chick-fil-A sandwich. You buy them a Chick-fil-A sandwich, And you do it out of a sense of generosity, you do it out of a sense of joy, you do it out of a sense of of God leading you and guiding you and directing you. And you just say, man, I just want to do this out of the kindness of my heart. I want to do this because I just love God and I love how much he's given me and I understand he's given me so much. And you just want to do that. That moment no longer comes about you doing a good work. That moment comes about you inviting God into that place. That that conversation now can be one that God can use and you could speak a word to that person that they wouldn't have heard before. And that word could be one that God himself is speaking through his Holy Spirit to give to them. That that morning they could be sitting there at the house and saying, why should I keep on living? Why should I keep on going? God doesn't care. No one notices me. And then you buy them a Chick-fil-A sandwich and you say, hey, listen, I just want you to know this might be crazy for you. But I just want you to know that God notices you and he loves you. And that no matter where you are in this world, he's always going to be there for you whenever you're ready. And God just invades that moment, invades that space, and then all of a sudden just something supernatural happens. Listen, when we are willing to sacrifice, we turn that moment into a moment that could be sacred. See, sacrifice is not about what do I have to give up. It is not about how bad it hurts. Because our, it's not about how much money and time or talent that we give. It's about saying, God, I'm willing to place everything into your hands so that you can do with it what needs to be done for your glory. When we live that way, when we live with that understanding of what, what sacrifice is, we begin to see that generosity doesn't limit what we have, but exposes the potential of what can be. Listen, here as a church, we've been doing some amazing things, and it's been so fun to be a part of what's happening even here at the Williamsburg campus and seeing all the different things that are taking place as, as we chase after Jesus. And you know, just even thinking back through some of the things that have happened over the past year, and I thought about um, last year when we were out at... Um, the grand illumination and we we're out there handing out 95 some gallons of hot coffee or hot cocoa and um and we we're handing out thousands of cookies and we handed out some 1200 different reach cards and then we we're you know going through neighborhoods and we did that think about the meals that we've been able to provide for people i know as people are going through different circumstances whether it's been surgeries or or just different situations in their life and people in this church have provided meals for them and taken care of them Think about the countless hours that people have spent with each other praying and, and, and talking and having conversations and during life groups. And, and how in those life groups so many amazing things have happened where people have secretly given gifts or they've just taken care of the people in this church because of their generosity and because of their love and compassion. Just thinking about all those different things, I thought about Bright Beginnings and how we gave and helped 60 kids start school this year with brand new backpacks and clothes for school and shoes because of the generosity of this church. And I was thinking about how uh, this church has been able to do so many other different things that I don't even have time to go into this morning. Think about, I go into these two because these two are both real cool scholarships for camps. We've helped kids in the YMCA who aren't even a part of our church go to camps at the YMCA that they're providing for and our own kids at this church we've helped to go to camps that couldn't afford it go to different retreats that we've been doing the mission trip there's people on the mission trip they're coming back today because of the generosity of this church and the willingness of this church to give so that people down in the Dominican Republic can hear about Jesus Christ because there's some people that said hey I want to go but I don't know how and because of you there was a way for them to go down to the Dominican Republic and hear about Jesus 
I think about all those things and I think about all that's been taking place and my heart is full from all that could happen. And you know what it does? It doesn't just let me say, that's awesome, now I can settle. It says, God, what could be more? God, how much more could we do? What else could we do? How else could we experience this? And so if you're new to the church today, we're going to show you something. And listen, this is not just some thing that we want to do. We, we just want to, be, we want to be an open church. We want to be an honest church. We want to be a church that just speak, directly speaks to, hey, this is where we are. And we all know that, the, that, that God's got us on this journey. He's got us on this journey that, that discovers him and understands him more. And so this isn't something that's specific, scientific, as we talked about as a church. Listen, Pastor Fred and I, Vanessa, Michelle, we don't know who gives what, and we don't ever want to know. Right? We don't ever want to know. I love that Pastor Fred was talking last night that there's a potential that if he found out what you gave or didn't give and you call at 3 o'clock in the morning, he may or may not answer his phone. Right? We don't want that. We want to be able to pastor you and love you well. Right? And, 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 and we just all know we're human and we don't want our, our view or our understanding of things to be shaped by anything other than the love that God has for you. And then what we're called to, to as ministers. And so the staff is never going to know what any person gives. The only people that do are the elected officials, the trustees, and the elders of the church that have been designated for that. And there's two families that do that. They're only ones in the church that are going to know specific things. So what we've asked them to do, though, is to, to go through and look at the specifics. And get an idea. And there's some, there's some guesses and there's some guesstimation going on here. So this is the best that we know. This isn't specific. But it gives us a good picture of knowing Hey, here's what we've been able to accomplish because of this. And it gives us a platform to stand and dream and say, if we move to another place, what could be possible? Right? So we got a little bit of pie chart up here that we're going to show you real quick. This is 2013. So right here, you can see in 2013, we had 23% people tithing. And in 2014, we had 27%. So we had a 4% increase. Right? Isn't that awesome? And because we love competition at the, New, at the City Life Church, Newport News actually declined, all right? So, um, so you look at these comparisons, you see overall when it comes to people that are giving, we actually made significant ground. We decreased the non-givers from, from 41% down to 30%. Isn't that awesome? Now listen, this is just people that say, this is my church. All right, this is my church. And so what we've done is just basically, again, it's guesstimations and it's all those different types of things. There's no specifics. What this is, it just gives us a picture and a snapshot of where we are as a church when it comes to giving, right? Now you think about all that we've been able to accomplish, even more than I was able to mention in that brief moment. Think all that we've been able to, to accomplish. If these people all right here and myself and my wife and everybody included, if we were to take a little bit of a step each one of us, whatever little sphere we'd find ourselves in, little piece of pie that we'd find ourselves in, maybe it's a pumpkin pie. Think of it that way, right? Because that's glorious since that time of year. So whatever piece of pumpkin pie you're sitting on, right? Whatever piece of Cool Whip you are on top of that pie, if you can move yourself to another piece, find yourself on a different piece of that pie, the potential of what we could do as a church and the potential of advancing the kingdom of God is going to increase that much more. Because it's not so much about the sense of just walking out and saying, okay, I just guess I'm supposed to give. But it's a sense of understanding this joy of what God's called us to. Understanding the sense that he's called us to sacrifice. And it's not just, oh, I have to give this and oh, it's going to be tough. Because it's not about how hard it is to give. It's about what God's given you an opportunity to give. And if you go through and you look at life and you say, you know what, I want to be a part of what God's called me to. And I want to be a part of this church. And you take a deeper step into the joy that is Jesus Christ. You find this sense of generosity. You find this sense of willingness to sacrifice as he sacrificed. And you find yourself chasing after 
God. And you find yourself saying, I want to do and be what he's called me to do and be. And we get this sense as we go through and we look at the rest of these scriptures, that as we look here at Hebrews chapter 10 and we look all throughout scripture, we see that the church is not some sense of people that live their lives interdependently. But there's a sense that, maybe I used that word wrong. I think I did, but whatever, just follow with me for a second. But there is a sense of dependency upon the church, that we are interdependent. That's what I wanted to say, right? That we are interdependent, that we walk together in this life. That when we're going together as a church, and you look all throughout Scripture, you can look through Acts, you can look through Corinthians, both of them, you can look through Ephesians, and different things. You find that there's a sense that when we, as a church, come together because of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives personally, that flows from that this sense of generosity and this sense of willingness to care for everybody that is in this church and everybody that gives, God gives us an opportunity to impact. That when we walk out the sense of joy of who God is, and we walk through this willingness of sacrifice to make things that we are a part of and that we're given opportunity to lead, that we make those sacred moments, that God invites us into a place where our influence increases, where our ability to impact people's lives increases, that we begin to see people over and over and over and over again experience the same joy that we've had because of the generosity that we're giving because of the generosity he gave. See, if we, it's not about the dollar amounts. It's not about these, can, can you just give another dollar? Can you give another percentage? It's not about that. It's, it's about saying, God, here's more of my heart. Here's, here's more of my faithfulness. God, here's more of my obedience. Because, God, I want the life that you have. And I want the life that I can have for myself. So let's get to the part, a good reason why not to give. Good reason why not to give is your motive. If you find yourself today in a place and you've never given before, you would find yourself in that 30%. You've never given before. It's not a bad thing. Don't walk out of here. The Bible says there's no condemnation, right? So if you're a follower of Christ and you've never given, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. But feel challenged. Feel challenged. Feel encouraged to say, you know what? There's more out there that God has for me. I want to step into that. And a lot of times what happens is the reason that we don't give is because we've got bad motives. And our bad motives have led us to give in the past that's burned us. And so let me just ask you three questions. And if you find yourself answering yes to any of these questions, I've got a challenge for you. The first question is this, is do you feel anxious when you give? Do you feel anxious when you give? The second question is this, do you hope other people will notice how much you give? The third question is this, do you feel bitter or resentful for how much you have given? See, if you find yourself in any of those places, you find yourself answering yes to any of those questions, that I've got a challenge for you. And this comes from a buddy of mine down in Texas. But I want you to take the next month. I want you to take the next month and stop focusing on giving more and instead focus on the heart with which you give. So stop focusing on giving more, but instead focus on your heart, all right? He says this. He says, God has great blessings in store for those who trust him with their money. Our reward is spiritual and eternal, and he rewards us with a greater measure of faith in him. But listen to this, and this will be up on the screen. If we're just giving to give without a heart being in the right place, we'll never receive any of these blessings. So take the next month, take the next 30 days and give less. 
Give just a little bit. If you've never given before, just give a little bit. But don't focus on the giving. Focus on your praying about where your heart is and what God's given you an opportunity. Don't give a lot. Pray a lot. Focus on your heart and say, God, now I'm speaking to those people, like, hey, this is my church. This is where I go. I want you to stop and I want you to pray and I want you to say, God, what am I holding back from you? Where am I limiting my trust and my faith in you? And God, how can I experience a greater life in you, a greater trust in you, and opening up a greater sense of destiny in you by saying, God, I want to trust you in this. God, help me. Give me a desire to do and live out this life of joy and sacrifice that you've called me to live. God, help me not walk through this life with a sense of obligation and possession that I'm worried about what I have and what I have to do. But God, I'm walking out this life with joy and I'm walking out with sacrifice that I can smile and then I can just give frivolously. I can give generously. I can give liberally. I can give any other way that I feel like I need to say that in this moment and I can do it with a sense that as I give I know that I'm taking these moments and I'm making them sacred moments no longer about myself no longer about my benefits but now instead about who he is and what he wants to do in that moment and as you do that guess what as a church we're able to do more as a church we're able to go out into our community community and give more backpacks than we've ever given before right given more meals than we've given before because when we come together as a church we care for each other and care for our community god can do miraculous things bigger and better and beyond anything that we could ever have imagined so as the worship team comes up I just want to, again, just conclude with this. So this conversation, it's not about dollars and numbers and percentages. This conversation is so much more. This conversation is about the life that God wants us to live in him. See, when it comes to giving, we can think that that is limiting because now it means that we can't have something. But see, in God's economy, things work completely different. If we look at it in the sense, God, I just want to be a part of what you favored. God, I want to be a part of what you've destined. God, I want to be a part of the things that you've given me an opportunity to be a part of. If we start stepping into that and say, God, I just care about the things that you care about. God, I care about the people that you care about. And I just want, I want to follow after you. I want to do that Ephesians chapter 5, one thing. I want to imitate you. That's what I want to do. You don't find limitations. Instead, you find freedom. You don't find restraints, but instead, you find the sense of opportunity. And so if you're here today and you're not a part of this church and maybe you're not a part of any church and maybe you don't even know who God is and you don't have a relationship with God, today what I want to talk to you about is, is that it starts with you receiving the greatest gift on this planet, which is Jesus Christ. Maybe you can look at your life and you're like, hey, I'm a pretty good person, I'm pretty generous, I, I, you know, I, I take care of other people. I, I'm just telling you that at the end of the day, no matter how good I was when I was living my life outside of God, no matter how hard I tried to be nice to people and kind to people, I always found myself in this place where there was void, where there was emptiness, and there was darkness. But as I've lived my life out to God, and imperfectly, let me admit, right? And if you don't believe me, you can ask Michelle, because I know it's hard for you to understand, right? But I've made a ton of mistakes. 
as I follow in Christ. I regularly, this morning, made mistakes, right? As I live my life out and say, God, but I want the life you have and I don't want this life that I could have in my own ability. As I do that and I chase after him, I find a freedom, I find a sense of, of purpose, I find a sense of fullness that I can never, ever, ever, ever imagined when I was trying to do things on my own. This conversation is not about money. This conversation is about a willingness to say, I want the life that you have for me, God. And I'm willing to take whatever it is. I'm willing to take it all and say, God, it's yours. I'm taking it out of my hands and I'm putting it in your hands. And maybe for you, it's not about dollars today, but maybe today it's about your soul. It's about your heart. And you say, God, I've been controlling my own life. I've been trying to make things right in my own way. I've been trying to fix myself and I can't, I'm broken. I just keep making things worse and you need to accept the gift of Jesus Christ today. Maybe you're a part of this church. You've been coming here for a while or maybe you're a Christian and you're just checking this church out. What I want you to do is for both groups here in just a second, we're gonna take communion. We're gonna sing a few more songs and we're just gonna take some time to worship, reflect on our relationship with God. What I want you to do is I want you to reflect and ask him to fill your heart with joy. Because listen, it's not about what we do for God, it's about becoming like his son. And today, God is inviting us, each one of us, no matter where we are, into a place where we can say, God, I wanna take another step. I wanna step a little bit deeper into the life that you have for me. I wanna be a little bit more like Jesus today. God, I wanna imitate him. There's things that I've been holding on to that have limited me from experiencing the life that you have for me. I wanna throw those things aside and I wanna chase after Jesus today. And so as we take communion, this is an open communion. You don't have to be a member of the church. But we do ask that at some point in your life, you can look and find that you've made a vow of devotion to Christ. That you've said, Jesus, you are Lord of all. If you've done that today, then you go when you're ready with your family or privately on your own and take the bread, take the juice. You take them on your own, as scripture tells us to do. The bread represents God, Jesus' broken body. His body that was abused, whipped, and broken for us that in his brokenness, we could be made whole. The juice represents his blood, which was shed for the covering of our sins. The, the, the life that we deserve and, and, and the punishment that we deserve for being apart from God and living sinful life as sinful creatures has been forgiven in the sacrifice and the shedding of Jesus' blood. So we take those and we reflect on what he has given us as a gift. And we want to take that moment and really allow that to sink deep into our hearts. And as we take time to worship in response to that, that God fills us with a sense of joy, with an expectation that comes generosity following that, because we are willing to sacrifice. We're willing to step into every moment that we have and make it sacred for God's glory and for his recognition. Because we want to live that full, that abundant life, not the one that we could create for ourselves. So God, we just pray in this moment, Lord, as we take a few minutes to sing and we take a few minutes to reflect on you and who you are and what you've done for us through Christ. God, I pray that if there's any in here today that do not know you, God, that they will turn their hearts to you. God, they will simply just respond and say, Lord, be the Lord of my life. I believe I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And God, that in that moment, you will invade their hearts, their souls, their universe. And God, that you will transform them and make them a new person. God, for each and every one of us that are in here today that we say, hey, we're a follower of Christ and, and we are your children. God, help us to step deeper into the life that you have for us, the destiny you have for us. 
God, help us to loosen the grip that money and possessions and accolades and ambition and position gives us. Help us to loosen the grip on those things as a sense of security. God, may we cling to the anchor of our soul, Jesus Christ. And God, from that, may this sense of generosity and, and sacrifice and willingness, God, spring from our hearts. And may you do only what you could do for this church. In the name of Jesus.